Let's face it, people have different sleep needs. While you love your partner, sleeping next to them might not always be the most comfortable. Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs, so you can choose what's right for each of you whenever you like. Maybe you prefer a firmer mattress and your partner needs something softer. Because of the individualized comfort that you get from Sleep Number Smart Beds, you and your partner will sleep better together. All Sleep Number Smart Beds feature cooling, pressure-relieving comfort layers for soothing sleep throughout the night. And their temperature balancing bedding is designed to move heat and moisture away when you're hot. When you're cool, they hold their energy to help warm you. The smart beds even automatically respond and adjust to your movements so you sleep comfortably all night long. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards only at a sleep number store or sleepnumber.com the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center thanks to carvana it doesn't get any better than this your favorite seat's the best spot in the house make it even better by entering your license plate or vin and getting a real offer in minutes there really is no place like home and speaking of home carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, I'm Dr. Will Cole, leading functional medicine expert and best-selling author. This podcast is the manifesto for a new breed of health seekers. This is the art of being well. What's up, everybody? It's Dr. Will Cole, and welcome to The Art of Being Well. If you don't know, I am a functional medicine practitioner. I started one of the first functional medicine telehealth centers in the world, consulting people via webcam over 12 years ago. So that's been my day job from 8 a.m. to 6 p.m. That's my heart and my passion of getting to the root cause of why people are going through their health problems. And this is this show, this podcast, is really an exploration of that on all levels, wellness on all levels, and optimizing your health on all levels. So I, um, yeah, I love what I get to do. So you can learn more about my clinical practice and what I do at drwillcole.com. That's D-R-W-I-L-L-C-O-L-E.com. I'm also the author of a few books, Ketotarian, which is a mostly plant-based ketogenic diet, um, way of eating, I should say. The second book is The Inflammation Spectrum, which is really an exploration of inflammation. And third book, upcoming book is called Intuitive Fasting, which I'm really excited for you guys to read that as well. So you can learn more about all that stuff at drwillcole.com. But anyways, let's get to today's guest. I am super pumped to talk to one of my dear friends, Melissa Urban. Melissa Urban, if you don't know, she's the co-creator of a little tiny program you may have heard called of Whole30. I'm joking. It's massive. It's ubiquitous. It is a powerhouse of world proportions. But she is also a sports nutritionist and she's a multiple New York Times bestselling author. Her books include It Starts With Food, The Whole30, naturally, right? Food Freedom Forever, and The Whole30 Cookbook. We talked about a lot. She's a good friend of mine. So we talked about some just life stuff, but we also really get into the things that she's very passionate about. We talk about uh, representation, inclusivity, anti-racism, and accessibility, and how Whole30 is doing really important things. You have to hear what what they are doing to to make health more accessible for people around the world. We also talk about the behind the scenes of the new Whole30 salad dressings, why they picked the flavors that they did, the ingredients behind them. I love these dressings. They are so good. And we talk about each and every one and which one is my favorite. And we also talk about the re-release of the Whole30 cookbook and why they released it. They're very specific things that they changed from the original version and why it was very important that Melissa did that for her, why it was important for her. Uh, We cover that. And we also talk about basically tons of stuff, guys. You don't want to miss this. We basically talk about Walmart and Aldi and 
Chipotle and what Melissa did with Walmart and Chipotle specifically to make the food better and make the ingredients better. And really, she's changing the food industry. And she may not even realize it, but she really is. When you start moving Chipotle and Walmart to get better food, you know you're a powerhouse. So without further ado, here's my conversation with my dear friend, Melissa Urban. My friend, I'm so glad we're here. I'm so glad we're doing this together, talking. How the heck are you? Oh my gosh, I miss you. I miss ta- I miss my people. I mean, I'm not saying anything that nobody, you know, everybody else isn't already experiencing, but you and I would normally see each other at least like three or four times a year. We would, you know, be at events together or we'd be in the same city at the same time. And I haven't yeah. seen you since January. So, you know. I know, I, it's been a year. It's been uh, too long. I mean, who would have thought that the... No one would have, no one would have thought, obviously, but it's just, we started off the year and I feel like it's, everything's been paused in many ways, you know? Yeah, it has been paused and we've had to reimagine, you know, connect, like the way we connect and the way we keep in touch and the things that we talk about. And even just asking like, how are you is such a loaded question. How are you supposed (laughs) to answer that right now? (laughs) It's hard to encapsulate that in a text. Yeah, it is. For sure. I'm so excited that we're talking on the show today. And I wanted to start off with talking about the beast, the monolith that is social media and how we operate much of our lives professionally and personally for for many people too. And as a country, we are currently still going through a lot of stuff. And we had an election not that long ago. And I wanted to start this off as just a mo- almost a commentary on where we're at, I think, as a society, that you posted something not too long ago about the election and the response that you saw and like losing followers. And then you made this epic video in response to that. But can we take me back to that and, and what you saw and what your thoughts were on the aftermath of it? Yeah, it's it's been a year. You know, 2020 has been a year. We have been, we meaning me and Whole30 in particular, have been sharing our views and values around diversity, equity, inclusion, representation, social justice issues for over a year now. And I personally have been sharing on my channel for like three years. And the election in particular, the months leading up to the election and the election itself have been, I think, some of the most tumultuous times on social media. You know, mm-hmm. you've got, you had COVID, which for a little while back in March seemed to kind of bring us together. There was this camaraderie on social media. People were a little nicer. They were a little more gentle. It was like, we're all in this together. We're all stuck at home. And then George Floyd was murdered in the street and the string of social injustices around Black men at the hands of police and the protests and all of the kind of fallout from that, we really stepped up our commitment to DEI in those moments. It was very important to all of us that we not be silent and we share our values and what we believed in. And we really doubled down on our commitment. So when I posted, you know, on the Saturday that they called the election for Joe Biden, when I posted the very simple New York Times headline, Biden beats Trump, I didn't think anyone would be surprised at that posting. If you have been following me for any length of time, I talk about, you know, what you call politics, what I call basic human rights and and decent, you know, being a decent human. I talk about it all the time. Yeah. And I lost like 5,000 followers in a 24-hour period simply because of that post. And there were so many people who were saying like, stick to politics. You should just be talking about food. You know, I want this space. Like, I just want my recipes I don't want to hear about your political leanings. And Mm -hmm. I had to sit on that for a solid 24 hours. Like I wasn't upset at the loss of followers whatsoever. If I'm not for you, I'm not for you. Like that doesn't mean anything to me. But I was very surprised and taken aback by the number of people who, you know, told me to stay in my lane and didn't realize that this is my lane. So I thought about it all that night. I thought about it all the next morning. Um, in the car on the way home from my workout that morning, I just had this kind of thing in my head and I got home and I threw on a sweater and I sat down right here at my kitchen counter and I just went for it. I did like a four minute take on this is who I am and this is what we believe in. And like the bar to join my community is very low. It requires that you believe that people who don't look like you, who don't love like you, whose bodies don't do the same thing you do, that they deserve the same basic fundamental human rights that you do. And... That video, you know, 
within a 48 hour period had 250 million views. It's the biggest thing I've ever posted. And that makes me incredibly happy because I was able to use social media as a place to share my values, to share my humanity. You know, I'm not a brand, I'm a person. I have views, I have values, I have things that are important to me and issues that I care about. And of course, I'm going to share them on my social media feed. That's my house. Like, please don't come into my house and tell me what to share or how to share or how yeah. you want to consume my free content. Like, yeah. I- I politely decline. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. And you actually, I, I saw a quote from somebody else, because I think this is a phenomenon that is going on beyond just this conversation and you and I and what you've seen is the, basically I'm paraphrasing it, but you don't get to, like you said, consume my content for free and then tell me I can't post about the things like the amount of amazing resources that you're providing people and people feel entitled to just shut you up or stay in your lane. But like you said, like this is your lane. This isn't even like a pivot. This has been your ethos for a long time of inclusivity and representation. If anybody was paying attention to what you were doing, this is not a new thing around the election for you. No, Uh, and it's so frustrating that people keep referring to it as politics. Like if you don't understand or you can't make the connection that everything is political, existing is political for black and brown bodies, food is political, wellness is political, health and access to healthcare is political. Like, you know, it's all political. And again, what you're calling politics, I'm, I'm talking about just basic human rights. Absolutely. And I think when you... Also, if you even go back to the early days of Whole30 and what you built, it started out with democratization of health and you wanted this to be free. And that's, it's, it's really cool to actually see the conversation that you've just continued and expanded on something that's always been the ethos of Whole30, wouldn't you say? Yes. The Whole30 has always been free because my vision for the Whole30 has always been since day one in 2009, I want everyone in the world who wants to be able to complete a Whole30 to do so. And for a very long time, I felt that because the program was free, that was accessibility. Accessibility equaled, you don't have to buy anything but the food you eat to do our program. And what I've come to realize in the course of all of my own learnings is that there's so much more to accessibility than just whether you have to pay for the the product or not. You know, representation is a huge initiative for for who we are in this moment. People who join our community want to see themselves reflected in that community. They want to feel seen and they want to feel heard and valued. They want their cultures to be represented. So yes, what we are doing now is simply just an expansion of the core, the foundation of what we are, which is I want everyone in the world to be able to do a Whole30 if they want. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. And I guess a good segue here is that you are re-releasing the Whole30 cookbook and in many ways put a lot of work into it to be more culturally sensitive because it is the ethos of Whole30. Can you talk about that? Yeah. What an incredible project that was. So Whole30 cookbook is my first, was my first ever standalone cookbook. It was published in 2016. And our publishers approached us about a year ago and said, we would like to release this in paperback. And we thought, incredible, that's wonderful. That makes it more cost accessible for people. I love that idea. But then in conversation with my team, particularly Dr. Carrie Coley-Murchison, our director of people and culture, we thought, can we do more with this? And where we landed was, we want to reimagine this entire book. We want to go back and look at every page, every word, every recipe, every headnote, every title, and make sure that it is culturally sensitive. Because when I wrote that book and when our recipe developers created that back in 2016, I didn't have a foundation in cultural appropriation of recipes. And now I do. So we worked with a, an editor specific to food and cultural sensitivity, C. Redwood Hill. And the editor and Coley and I went through every single page of that book. And we revised what needed to be revised so that we were showing appreciation for the recipes that were outside of our culture, my culture, instead of appropriating. We revised language around the Whole30 rules. I rewrote the entire this is not hard section of the whole 30 to be more accessible. Like it was a project. And the fact that our, my publishers were fully behind it, all they wanted to do was release it in paperback. And we said, actually, we're going to turn this into like a project where we're going to revise every single page of the book if needed. And they were like, cool, we're behind that. It was just so 
amazing. And it was released at the end of December. And I'm so proud of that project, you know, that what is now called Cooking Whole30. So the the title changed as well? We did change the title. Yeah. It's really clear that the recipes are almost all the same. We did invite five new contributors to contribute recipes from their culture to Mm -hmm. the book. So we now have a more diverse group of recipe contributors, but the bulk of the book is the same, but we did rename it Cooking Whole30. We felt that embodied the spirit and intention of the book. Yeah. So, and Coley's amazing. I mean, she, I think the synergy that you guys have in building this and taking, I think, Whole30 to a new era and a new level is, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm like a dad I'm proud of you guys, but I'm just like alongside of you guys rallying. Cause I think this is a conversation when wellness can be so not good with representation and people feel that it's elitist in many ways it is elitist i think that whole 30 is without a doubt in my opinion the best at doing the work that needs to be done and letting people know like you can do this and let's show you how and let's do it together i'm honored thank you so much for saying that the way that coley has led us into this over the last almost two years now has just been absolutely remarkable. We are so grateful to her for her leadership here. And honestly, I can say my whole team is 100% as invested in this as I am. And I don't know a lot of corporations that can say that every single one of their team members, contractors, you know, influencers, like there's not a single person we work with who isn't also working with us towards this shared vision. How did your summit that you normally have in Utah every year, you had a virtual summit to really Uh, because of COVID, but also I think that it really allowed probably to reach a lot more people. I haven't talked to you strictly about what the stats were, but can you tell people about that? And, And the conversations that were had there, I think were really special and not something common that you would see within the wellness world, but needs to be happened. Yes. So it's interesting because you've spoken at our summits, you've spoken at the in-person coach summits, and you are also a speaker at the Community Cares Virtual Summit. But once we realized that the in-person summit was not happening, this was like back in March, we decided to cancel it, kind of thinking ahead with COVID. We obviously wanted to offer something to our Whole30 certified coaches, but we had also had the idea after last year's summit to bring the community into it as well. Wouldn't it be incredible if we could also share, you know, connect the coaches with the community and the community with Whole30 HQ and all of these incredible speakers. Moving this to a community care summit and moving it virtually then allowed Coley and the team who created the summit to bring in so many incredible speakers that we would never have been able to either coordinate or afford in person if it were just a one weekend event in Park City. We had over 75 speakers, you know, everyone from uh, Nicole Cardoza, who spoke at the opener. We had breathwork practitioners. We had guided movement sessions. Layla Ali led a workout session and then did like a fireside chat. And we had so many incredible panels, not just on you know Whole30. There were some awesome cooking demos from Chiyu Smith and Ronnie Joseph and Terry Turner and Angela Davis. But we also had panels talking about the future of food and food insecurity. We had panels talking about you know families forward and what it means for families to eat healthy and what are the the socio the socioeconomic barriers to that. The conversations that we had were so different than what we've had at other summits. And we had over 700 participants at our event. And it was the entire weekend was so incredibly uplifting, motivating, gratifying, and also moved me forward in my own anti-racism work so much. Mm -hmm. It was like a dream come true. It exceeded every expectation I had. Yeah, it was really amazing. Let's talk about food deserts and what that is. And for people that are listening out there that maybe don't live in Los Angeles or New York and they don't really have the Air Ones and the Whole Foods like right uh, walking distance, what are some ways that they could lean into cleaner eating and to know, okay, this is a move in the right direction? Do you have any tips for those people? I mean, this is really difficult. A, it's not my area of expertise and B, I have so much privilege in this area that it's really difficult for me I think to speak with any semblance of authority, but I think the thing that surprised me the most, I was doing a lot of research into food deserts in preparation for our panel. I was on a panel with Dr. Peniel Joseph, who is 
a wonderful advocate and he's written tremendous books and he's just such an expert in this area. And food deserts really come down to two things, accessibility, like physical accessibility. There is not a a grocery store offering fresh produce within a specific set distance. It's not walkable. It's not easily accessible via public transport. And then there's also the financial component that these, Mm -hmm. you know, folks living in these areas cannot afford the food that, you know, we would consider healthy when fast food and convenience food is so much more cost effective. I think that if you want to get involved with food deserts, one of the things that you can immediately do is there's a database online and I can send you the link after if you want to include it in your show. Yeah, for sure. I immediately looked in my area of Salt Lake City, Utah to see where I would find a food desert in my area. And I was incredibly surprised to find that they exist not that far from my house, right? Farther west where there isn't as much, there's no tracks, there's no, you know, there's less public transportation. The Whole Foods and the Sprouts don't exist on that side of town. And so I was surprised to find that just in my own community, we have issues with food deserts. And then the next thing I did was I looked up organizations in my local community who are doing work in that area. So we've partnered with the Utah Food Bank on several occasions, for example, as a primary way of helping people, especially during times of COVID, gain access to healthier food. So those are two things I think that would be a great place to start because raising awareness around you know, what's actually happening in my local community is a great place to Mm -hmm. start to improve your own awareness of these issues. You know, I think maybe when people think of food desert, they may think of of urban food deserts, which is certainly an issue and we need to be talking about it and uh, changing things. But being in rural Pennsylvania, it's interesting to see the rural food deserts where people, they can't walk like with the city, some of the benefits of it, you can take a train, take a subway, take take some sort of public transportation to the grocery store. And when you're in the country, uh, it's like pretty much you're stuck, uh, yes. especially if you don't have a car, or if you don't have access to these things. And there so. are so many factors. So there's a wonderful book called Three Women by Lisa Tadeo. I feel like I, I might, I think that's, I'm saying her last name correctly, that taught me an awful lot about the factors that go into whether or not a family can eat healthy food. It's not about education, right? It's not just about education. It's not just about saying these apples are healthier than that McDonald's hamburger. It's a single mom working two jobs to try to put food on the table for her family, not having a car, living paycheck to paycheck, being dependent on that paycheck, being, you know, she doesn't have a bank. So the paycheck comes and she's got to go to a check cashing place, which takes an awful lot off the top. And then she has to be able to coordinate transportation, either getting a ride or public transportation to the nearest grocery store, which is X number of miles away. And who's going to watch her kids while she's doing this? Like There are so many factors involved in why families aren't able to eat healthy. And I think, again, learning more about some of these accessibility issues and like what's kind of Um, at the foundation of all of them, which is the system of white supremacy that we are all living in is, was incredibly impactful for me. Uh, On the flip side, or I guess the silver lining, we should say, and maybe I'm going to know what your thoughts are on this, is that over the past years of being in this space together, and and obviously you doing amazing things in Whole30, don't you see glimmers of hope where I feel like access, we have a long, long, long way to go, but I feel like in 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 13 years ago, what I see in Aldi or Costco or Sam's Club or Walmart, you could not get before. And now there's things that at least are in stores where people can shop more affordably. Wouldn't you say so? Yes, absolutely. Hands down. You know, it used to be that you either had to have a Whole Foods to get all of these very expensive specialty ingredients, or you had to have the time privilege of being able to make them yourself. Right. And, you know, again, a single parent working and taking care of kids or even, you know, a set of two parents. Like it's not always easy to find the time to make all of these own things. Now you can walk into a Walmart and you've got Whole30 approved frozen meals that you can at a very cost-effective price using animal protein that meets our standards for animal welfare that you can stick in your fridge. You've got, you know, tons of resources. Our coaches have done an awesome job creating Whole30 shopping lists for Walmart and Aldi. You've got even our local Smiths, um, which is just our local kind of uh, grocery store here, I wouldn't call it a specialty food store or a health food store, but they now carry so many 
Whole30 approved products. So we're starting to see like the Costco's and uh, the Walmart's and the Target's doing so much better with increasing the options for people who do shop there primarily for their groceries and want to find healthier choices. It's very encouraging. I don't want to spend too much time bragging on you, but do you ever sit back and think, wow, I have, you have done so much. If you look at Walmart and those meals that are there for people already prepared that that fit great standards with Whole30 or Chipotle and getting their Whole30 bowl are things that Americans do every day, lower middle-class Americans, lower to middle-class Americans, a lot of Americans, the main bandwidth of, of Americans. You have done so much to, to make these things accessible, whereas people didn't even know that this was a, even an option. And, and many times it wasn't an option or Target. I mean, I, mm-hmm. I don't even... I mean, you're my friend, but I go to the products that I always buy. I look in the can, I'm like, it has, says Whole30 on the can. I didn't, even, I didn't even know that. Like you have done so much there. I mean, it, do, you, do you, does it still amaze you in many ways that this has turned into such a big conversation? We've talked about this before. I don't, I don't often allow myself or like have the impetus to take a step back and kind of look at things from a big picture perspective. I'm still heavily involved in the day-to-day work. I'm connecting with my community every single day. I'm heavily involved in the planning and the strategy of what we're going to do next. I'm, I, I tend to have a bit more of a, a kind of narrow or constricted focus. And then once in a while, usually at an event like Summit or at a book tour, I'll, I'll allow myself to kind of take in like the energy around all of the things we've been able to do in the last 11 years. And it feels overwhelming. I am just like, I get flooded with all of these big feelings and I don't really know. I feel like I just need to like shake a little bit, you know? It's pretty remarkable to think of how much things have changed and how much the food landscape has changed and the health landscape and the wellness landscape. And also I'm just super excited about all of the work that we still have to do mm-hmm. and that we still get to do in this space. So right. yeah, maybe a little bit of both. Let's just say like 20 years down the line, where do you want Whole30 to be? Where do you want the conversation around food? Where do you want the the positive growth that we've seen in the wellness world as far as accessibility, where do you, where do you want us to be in 20 years? It's hard for me to think more than like a year or two ahead because think because things change so fast and True. we've grown so quickly. But if you had asked me a few years ago, I would have said our mandate, our mission, we're just going to tell, we just help one person at a time. We change lives one person at a time. And like, I'm working at that singular community person level. And then you know, we had the opportunity to influence like the quality of chicken that goes into a Walmart frozen meal and Chipotle changing their cooking oils and Applegate removing the sugar from their bacon to make it compatible with the Whole30 program. And I started to think beyond just the individual person and now like, wow, we actually over what corporations are doing, what producers are doing, like what's happening at the grocery store level. It would be amazing if in 20 years we had the same sort of influence over things like the healthcare system, over things like the school system. It would be wonderful if we were able, because at at its heart, the Whole30 is still a privileged program. You need to be able to eat real food and not everyone has the access to do that. It would be wonderful if we were able to exert that influence and make an impact on things like food deserts. And also I recognize that policy change is really hard and way outside of my wheelhouse. So I think for now, we'll just continue to use the momentum that we have and mm-hmm. push for change and really advocate for that change at the highest level that we can. And I think so far, we've been able to be pretty effective with that. Very much so. I mean, going back to something you just said, I mean, changing oils from a massive corporation like Chipotle, like, can you talk about that and what you asked for, what they were using before, why you made the change for people that are like, what that, what that even means? Yeah. So Chipotle, our Chipotle partnership is two and a half years old at this point now, or maybe I can't remember if it's two or three years, but Chipotle was sort of like a dream partnership of mine. If you had asked me in 2012, like, who's your dream partner? I mean, to have a, you know, whole 30 version of a Chipotle salad was kind of like at the top. And we have seen them step up for my community time and time again. The initial partnership we rolled out with just one protein source because it wasn't cooked in their rice bran oil, which is technically not Whole30 compatible. And then our community loved it so much. And when I had a conversation with Chipotle's head chef last year at an event where we were doing a commercial for them, 
he said to me, what else, what else can we do? What else can we do? We want to do more. What else can we do? And my answer was make the chicken whole 30 compliant. So you've got to change the cooking oil for the chicken because people would go bananas if, if Chipotle's, you know, chicken was fire grilled chicken was compliant. I'd love you to think about cauliflower rice, which serves way more than just the whole 30 community, but anybody who is, you know, on a keto approach or is just looking to add more vegetables to their life. And we would love for you to have a salad dressing that was whole 30 compatible. And, you know, so far, like they've been really on track. We rolled out their fire grilled chicken last year. Since we're talking about this in January, I'll be able to say that they're rolling out cauliflower rice nationwide as of January, 2021, which is incredible. It's such a win for so many people. So to see companies be so devoted to the Whole30 community and so active in wanting to serve our people, like that's the thing for me that is so incredibly gratifying. Watching these companies you know, go all out for my fiercely loyal whole 30 years just makes my heart so happy. (laughs) That is so cool. Cauliflower rice at Chipotle because of the conversations that you're having and pushing. I mean, wow. I I don't want to get too spiritual for people. God is using you in such a powerful way because you're changing people's health in such a way that you'll never see. You'll never see face to face all the cool things that you're doing in people's health. And yeah. quality of life. I, this is for sure my life's work, right? You yeah. know, you know, God and I are super tight, and like there is <laughs> yeah. no doubt in my mind that this is what He needs me to do. For sure. And if we could go back again to the chicken quality changes, because yeah. you talk about a massive cor- corporation like Walmart and the quality of the meat, which is something that obviously you and I are both advocates for. Can you talk a little bit about the changes that were made there and and why that's important? Yeah, the Walmart discussion, the Walmart conversation was was a a tough one for me. You know, in part, we wanted to offer these Walmart frozen meals to our community as an enormous boost in our accessibility efforts to be able to walk into any Walmart nationwide and for $4.99 pick up a whole 30 compatible meal that you can serve to your family, that you can keep in the fridge or freezer for emergencies. Like that was so huge for us. We wanted that to happen. And also when we were talking about it, the animal protein used in those Walmart bowls were not up to our Whole30 approved standards. They were using a particular animal welfare certification that was not good enough for us. And so the conversation I had was like, man, you know, this would be amazing for the community. And also we really have to stick to our standards here. It's very important to us. So we ended up writing into the contract that over the course of the first year, they would provide us with quarterly updates in moving their animal protein, specifically for the chicken used in their bowls, a rating system that was better in terms of animal welfare, a particular system that we implemented. After the first three quarters of reports, we got news that not only were they changing the sourcing of their chicken to be compatible with our animal welfare requirements, but they weren't raising the price. Wow. So we were thrilled for that. We were you know, a little bit nervous that changing the sourcing and getting better chicken would require a price increase. And then we'd have to weigh the importance of that. And they came in and were able to do both, keep the price the same and improve the quality of the animal protein. It's like such a huge win. And now you're walking into Walmart, getting a Whole30 approved frozen meal at a cost you can afford, knowing that you can feel good about the chicken used in the bowl. Like it's, That's so <laughs> it, again, just makes me <laughs> Yeah, it's great stuff. I mean, it's a really important stuff, but I think people can even see the Whole30 label and know, and not really think about what that means, I think, because your quality is so high for our health and we deserve that. But you're right, the price can come up sometimes. The fact that these things are staying affordable is really good, really yeah, great news. it is. And that's what I hope people think. I hope people think, oh, when I see the Whole30 approved logo on something, I know I can trust it and you don't have to worry about whether or not it's going to be right for your family or for your values. That's yeah. That's really ultimately the goal. Right. And speaking of, of which, I, I have this, I, for people that are watching this on video, this is a almost empty buffalo vinaigrette dressing and marinade from your new dressing and sauce line. Yes. I want to know all about this because you and I haven't really got to talk a lot about behind the scenes of this. And I, I want to hear about it in front of everybody else. Uh, yeah. What's the story behind this? I didn't know you were even cooking this secret, but... Well, I know, I know. I'll have to send you more, by the way. The buffalo vinaigrette is so bomb. 
historically, we've never sold anything to the Whole30 community except for my books, right? I write books. You can find things that are in the books online or on our social media feeds, but the books just add context and they put everything in one place and you don't have to buy the books to do the program. But if you want to, like here's eight Whole30 books that we have that can see you through the program. And I think the reason that I've been so hesitant for so many years in creating our own line of CPG, uh, consumer packaged goods, is that you know I didn't want to rush the process. We have such a fiercely loyal audience and I wanted to make sure that we maintained that relationship. And the only way I was going to launch a product is if it added tremendous value to the Whole30 community. If it really solved a pain point, if every single ingredient and every aspect of this project was like exceeding our Whole30 standards, like that was the only way I was going to do it. And it took about two years to finally develop the thought process, the formulas to make all the decisions, glass bottles instead of plastic, using a high oleic sunflower oil as our base and what that, you know, what that looked like. Was it cold, you know, could it be cold pressed? Yes, it could. Wonderful. Can we make it without any vegetable gums at all? Because we have some people with really sensitive digestive systems in the community and sometimes those vegetable gums can be problematic. So can we make it without any gums, without any fillers? And finally, in August of, of 2020, we launched. We launched with five flavors. Um, they are available exclusively at Thrive Market for the first four or five months. And we just launched our own e-commerce. By the time this airs, we'll have our own Whole30.com e-com site up and running. And people will be able to order through us. And the response has been amazing. People are so pumped to have these options. I think the ranch is like the best ranch I've ever had and people are really enjoying it. The flavors are unique to me. They're unique to Utah. They're unique to Whole30. Like there's a story behind all of it. So it's a very meaningful project for me. Yeah. And that's something that for people that don't know you personally, you are extremely authentic. You're not going to put something out. You could have put out tons of stuff over the years if you yeah. re- if you wanted to. And I'm sure you were approached a trillion times. But the fact that this is was a passion project born out of what the community needed, not just to get a product out there. I almost see these different products, the different sauces and, and marinades and dressings as like this like girl group with all different personalities, the way that they're marketed <laughs> with the colors. Can you take people through like the different things? Like what I love the secret yeah. sauce one too. I the love secret. it. Okay. So yeah. yeah. So you, I'll start with the house ranch. Like you, are you even doing a whole 30 if you're not eating ranch <laughs> with it? Ranch is like the epitome of whole 30, right? And before yeah. you were kind of making it yourself in your kitchen, we have a, we have a few whole 30 approved partners who make a ranch that is absolutely delicious, but we wanted our version, you know, we yeah. wanted the house ranch. The buffalo vinaigrette came from my own kitchen. I am such a super fan of putting hot sauce on my salads as like a salad dressing. It's something I've been doing for years. Me too. And people think it's weird until they try it, especially if there's fruit on the salad, like roasted chicken with blueberries and then like this buffalo vinaigrette. So that came straight from my own kitchen. A creamy balsamic is also something I've been making in my kitchen for years. I would just take the balsamic dressing, mix it with some whole, the Whole30 mayo and make a creamy version. It's awesome for like dipping. It's awesome for salads. It's great for marinating. So that's a great flavor. We also have an elderberry vinaigrette, which is, I really loved the raspberry vinaigrette of like the nineties, you know, the spinach salad with goat cheese and pecans <laughs> and, the, and the raspberry vinaigrette. I Where did that go? It it's so It's like so sweet. It would be so sweet. It would be cloying, but we right, thought, right. what if we could elevate it? So this is like the, it's an elderberry vinaigrette. Elderberry is a very hot ingredient. It's a, a really beautiful flavor. There's of course no added sugar. So it's just the right amount of sweetness. And then the secret sauce. So if you have ever been to Utah, you and ordered a burger and fries, it comes with what's called fry sauce. And in Utah, it's basically just a mix of ketchup and mayo. Like that's the kind of baseline. And I wanted to put together our own version of fry sauce. So we call it secret sauce. It's, I don't know how to describe it. It's like a little smoky, a little barbecue-y. There's a little ketchup. It's creamy. It's super thick. And Mm -hmm. it will become your new like go-to condiment. It's my favorite. I love it too. It is. You can use it on salads. You can use it to dip things in. It's like very multi, very versatile. Yeah. It was fun. It was so fun to put those flavors together though. You know, my whole team was involved. We were all involved in naming them. I wrote the copy for the bottles. I love the copy on the bottles. I'm glad that you said that. They are so extremely witty. Of course you wrote them. Of course Uh you wrote them. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very hands-on, you know, my team definitely helped and provided feedback. Like it was a, it was a group effort. 
do you want, like, what's in the pipeline for 2021? Do you want to release more flavors, different products? What's what's the, what's we're, the plan? We're going to release more flavors. I can't talk about them yet. And we have one little surprise that I can't talk about quite yet, but that's coming probably uh, March or April cool. that I think we'll the community too. is going to absolutely love. So yeah, again, it's this idea of adding value. How can we solve pain points? And that's what we're thinking about. Very cool. And as far as Whole30 books go, do you have any thing? Are you working on another book? What's, what's, can you say anything? <laughs> I can't say anything yet, but I will say this, you know, the, the flagship Whole30 book, the one that's sold like a million and a half copies so far, that is now 60, almost six years old. I wrote it in 2015. So I think a project that I'm very focused on, especially now that the cookbook has been revised and we've Mm -hmm. gone through and made sure that it's now in line with our DEI efforts, I would love to do the same for the flagship Whole30 book. So much has changed in the last six years around the program. Mm -hmm. There've been some rule changes. The way I talk about the program is different. The resources we have have expanded. So I think it actually like needs to be a new book. Like there needs to be like a Whole32.0 to mm-hmm. guide people who are just coming into the program now through kind of the resources and the support the way it currently exists. So that's a project I have in mind. Love it. And when people are hearing this, it's going to be early 2021. And a lot of people are want to do their new year, new you. They want to get in. And January Whole30 is a big part of that. So yeah. people hearing this past like the, the 1st of January and they want to get in on this, uh, can you tell everybody about that and the community that you've created uh, with these new, specifically the New Year Whole 30s, but they really go on all year. But the New they Year's do. a special one. Really, it's a special one. It is. The, the January Whole 30 is really special. It's when we announce new exciting partnerships and we're going to have some great ones this year. It's where the whole community comes together and we all start on the same day and Whole 30 HQ offers targeted support for every single day of your program. Our Whole 30 coaches are running groups. If you go on social media in the month of January, it feels like everyone in the world is doing a Whole30, which is really fun for support and accountability, especially for people who are new to the program. If you didn't start with us on January 1st and you're interested, there are people starting every single day of the year. And all you have to do is visit our website, whole30.com. There's a button called Do the Whole30. We walk you all the way through it. We give you all of our free resources and downloads and shopping lists. It's it's pretty foolproof. And you can also check out our coaches page to see if you could join a group that's either already in existence or just being started by a Whole30 certified coach. So you've got someone to really lead you through it by the hand. Love that. And for people, are you accepting new people that want to get into coaching? Because I get that question a lot. And I think you provide such a great program and training uh, resource for people. But if people are interested in that, what's that look like for them? Yeah, sure. We are certifying new Whole30 coaches every single month. We have, I think, over 220 worldwide right now, which is incredible. The program is only three years old. So for people who have done multiple Whole30s and like maybe you've helped your family through it or you've coached your best friend through it or you've helped a few people at your CrossFit gym as kind of the expert, we would love to have you as a Whole30 certified coach. Our coaches are using their certification in ways that I never envisioned when we created this program. They're running people through group Whole30s and they're all done virtually right now because of COVID. They're running food freedom groups. They're running reintroduction groups. We have people who are in, with professional designations, RDs, MDs, NDs, who are using it as part of their treatment plans with their clients. We've got um, licensed clinical substance abuse counselors and psychologists and psychiatrists who are using it with their patients. So there's really no end to what you can do with your certification. And you know, it's a great way to work within the community that you've been a part of for so long in a capacity that really sees you as the expert that you are. I love it. Because a lot yeah. of times people, you're right, they are passionate about wellness. And a lot of people that listen to this, I know are, but they don't know how to formalize it. And I think that's a great resource. Yeah. And, you know, with Summit, with our annual Summit and all the resources that we do for coaches every single month, we do monthly Zoom calls with coaches. We bring in experts to talk about various subjects. There's an awesome closed Facebook group where coaches share their resources and their own experience. You you really do become part of our family when you join as a yeah. coach. Yeah. I mean, it really is a 
family. I mean, every year getting to go to Utah to speak and, and hang out with you, but to seeing the tribe that you have there, like there's some of the kindest people that I still stay in touch with now because of you and this community that you built. I like to call it our camp. I feel like <laughs> a camp is just such, like, this is our camp, right? It is. We've it's like a camp. We've our tents and we've got our campground and like, these are our people. I yeah. love that. Yes. I called the show, The Art of Being Well. And, you know, functional medicine, there's like a science of what we do and the art of what we do. And it's this duality of, of both. And a lot of what you do, I'm sure, is the same thing. It's like the technical, logistical stuff, but also the heart behind it and the space between the words and the stuff you can't measure all the time. And you're such an expert in this space. So what is like, what's one piece of wisdom that you have learned for yourself about this art of being well? Oh boy. I think the biggest learning, and I, I, you know, figured this out very quickly in my leadership of Whole30 and trying to help motivate people is that you cannot, you've, you've got to address the emotional arguments that people are making around why they can't make the changes they say they want to make. Very often p- people will come and say, I want to do a Whole30 but I can't because I don't have time to meal prep. I don't know how to cook. I can't grocery shop that often. I, I can't afford it. And what I've come to realize is that this is not, it, it looks like a logical argument, but it's, there's really some emotion going on behind the scenes. And the conversations that we really need to have, if you are trying to inspire change at that like one community member level, is that emotional discussion. What about this change makes you nervous? You know, what, what do you think would happen if you succeeded? What do you think would happen if you failed? What's the thing about this change that is the most terrifying to you? And having that conversation is the one that's actually going to make the difference and move the ball for that person. I love that. And being curious and inquisitive and not shaming somebody when there's such a, around the space of wellness, there's so much shame going on internal shame. People have shame towards themselves. That's a powerful advice. Shame has never motivated anyone to do no. anything better for themselves. Not me shaming myself and certainly not me shaming someone else. Certainly. I mean, that's the antithesis of what the outcome that you think is going to happen. It's never going to happen. Yeah. My friend, I appreciate you. I love you so much. And thanks for being on the show. I love you too. It was so good to see your face and finally catch up. We'll have to do it again offline just to hear more about what's going on. Definitely. Thank you. What an awesome human being. I love her so much. If you want to learn more about Melissa Urban and Whole30, of course, you can go to Whole30.com. At the end of every episode, I'll be answering a question from one of you guys. Nothing is off limits. Ask me anything. And you can send your questions over to me on Instagram or Facebook. As a functional medicine practitioner, it's been fun seeing the questions that have already come in on different food philosophies, wellness trends, and ways to approach overall mental, emotional, and physical health and well-being. Thanks for those. And I'm looking forward to seeing what else is on your mind. All right, now it's time for another Ask Me Anything. This question is from Katie. Katie asks, what are the most overlooked factors that cause fatigue? Very good question, Katie. This is one of the top patients that I consult patients online with. Fatigue is like a check engine light in functional medicine. We know the check engine light's on, but why? There's so many potential reasons. We have to look underneath the proverbial hood to see what's going on here. So we have to look at a full hormonal panel, uh, looking at thyroid hormones. It's one of the leading causes of fatigue. And not just your basic thyroid panel, all the thyroid markers. They're TSH, total T4, total T3, free T3, free T4, to look at thyroid antibodies to see if there's an autoimmune component to that thyroid problem. We have to look at estrogen and progesterone in a detailed form. We look at urine and saliva tests to look at all the free forms of all the estrogen metabolites, E1, E2, and E3, and progesterone. And looking at cortisol levels, of course, looking at the hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, which is the brain adrenal axis, and looking at the circadian rhythm of cortisol levels. We have to look at chronic inflammation, uh, things like C-reactive protein, homocysteine, because chronic inflammation can drive fatigue as well. Underlying gut problems can definitely drive fatigue, things like SIBO or small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. 
any other forms of dysbiosis, intestinal permeability or leaky gut syndrome, that can drive fatigue. We have to look, because let me explain why, because your gut is your second brain. So if your gut's stressed out, that's the connection to the brain through the vagus nerve, a stressed out gut or a stressed out second brain, uh, that's where 95% of serotonin, your happy neurotransmitter is made and stored. So we have to look at the gut brain axis with fatigue for many people. Uh, We have to look at nutrient deficiencies, things like magnesium, selenium, vitamin D, all of these things can definitely cause fatigue as well. And then chronic stress. Sometimes it's not uh, something that we're always measuring directly on labs, but they're just chronically stressed, which can impact your hormones. Certainly it can show up on, in form of abnormal thyroid hormones or cortisol issues that are estrogen and progesterone. Of course, it can impact your gut. Stress can wreck any part of your body, but we have to look at these mental, emotional components too, because the body's so interconnected. We have to look at this bi-directional relationship between thoughts and emotions and stress and trauma and how that impacts our physiology, but also our physiology, what's going on in our hormones and gut and nutrients, that it can also impact our thoughts and emotions too. And then we also have to look at chronic infections. That's one of the top overlooked factors when it comes to fatigue. Things like mold toxicity, chronic viral infections like Epstein-Barr virus, which is a, can reactivate in people. And it's linked to, in the scientific literature to chronic uh, fatigue and Lyme disease and co-infections to Lyme. Things like Borrelia, which is the tick bacteria, but then co-infections to that as well. And other pathogens uh, that are non-tick-borne can also be uh, the underlying causes to fatigue. So hopefully that was helpful. These are the top things that I consult patients online with, Katie. So if you want more information about this, you can go to drwillcole.com and check all the information out there. That's it for today. Thanks again for hanging out with me. I would love to know what you think about the art of being well. If you have a chance, please rate and review the podcast here. And if you like what you're hearing, hit subscribe and pass it along to a friend. To see more, head to drwillcole.com slash podcast. I'll be back again next Thursday. And I hope you will too. Talk soon.